now, Lord, as we open Your Word together, we thank You for this opportunity we have to hear from You. And so we want to open our hearts to You now, Lord. We want to listen and we want to be obedient to all that You call us to. So just speak now in these moments, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Please be seated. Church, we are really blessed to have Reverend Dr. John Sweetman coming to share with us this morning. And John uh, has recently... Oh, you're already getting a welcome. Where are you, John? Before I even explain anything. John, this last 12 months has actually been serving as the interim director of our movement until Jason Ellsmore was able to step into this role. And um, John's just done a fantastic job, along with Stuart Peeper, the director of our services and the whole team there in QB. But um, particularly, John's done a lot of work in just preparing for this transition. It's an exciting time for us as a movement of churches, the way God is putting things together. But John has just done a brilliant job. So I know you're welcoming him. Can we thank him as a church for all that he's done this last year and welcome him to speak this morning? Thanks very much. It's uh, it's a privilege to be here this morning. It's a privilege that uh, to have the opportunity to to preach to you. Uh, I love Bridgie. Been very involved here for a long period of time, and uh, it's exciting. I usually preach in January. Uh, I feel a bit disoriented this morning because uh, there was no mention of a garage sale. <laughs> But it's great now that your ministry is not just a one weekend or one off, but is in fact a ministry right throughout the, uh, throughout the years. So that's wonderful. Uh, last year was a, a very busy year for us. Not only was I doing the uh, interim director of the movement role, QB Movement, but uh, also we were moving. We sold our house uh, where we'd been for 25 years and we moved into two new residences uh, one was a granny flat that we built with our, uh, one of our kids and his family here in Brisbane. And, uh, and the second was a, a unit up at Caloundra, that new unit at Caloundra that we bought uh, as well. So it was, uh, uh, it was a very busy year. In fact, they say, uh, you know, in terms of stress, what's the most stress thing, stressful things in life? And, and number one is losing, you know, someone dying that's very close to you. The second one is divorce. And the third one is moving house. That's above even uh, injuring yourself or getting a major sickness, you know. So we did two of that last year and, uh, and we survived. I mean, we had a lot of help. It was good. We moved in with our own family, which was mostly good too as well. And, uh, and in the granny flat, we built two bathrooms, uh, which is a lifesaver for us because Debbie can't stand my mess in the bathroom, you know. So if we wanted to live for the next 20 years or whatever it is together, we thought two bathrooms would be a, would be a good idea. So we had some help, but still, uh, the change is quite stressful. There were some good things about the change, uh, particularly unit in Kalauda, that was lovely. Uh, but, but there's been some stressful things about moving out of our house, thinking just the other week uh, about our small group uh, that we have, which is a fairly large small group, and thinking we might need a TV and, uh, you know, we could have done it at our place. Oh, no, we can't do it at our place. We're only a little tiny place now. So there's some, some negatives and some positives about that. But that's what change is like, isn't it? When, when things change in our lives, uh, there's always some costs uh, as well as some, but usually some benefits uh, in those changes as well. So if God is going to move in greater power, which I want to talk about this morning, in revival power and power in our lives and in our community, uh, then change is going to be involved uh, in our lives. Now, we see touches of God's power at the moment, which is wonderful. But if there is something dynamic that God does, 
in a greater way than we've seen before, then, then that's going to bring change. And because it's change, that's going to be costly for us in some ways. We'll have, we'll have different priorities. We'll have different passions. We'll spend our time in, perhaps spend our time in, in different ways. Uh, so there is significant cost. And before we pray too hard for revival, which I want to talk about, uh, we do need to weigh up the cost of that. Uh, there's a costly business as God moves in greater power uh, in our lives and through our lives. But let's face it, like what we have at the moment, while we feel very privileged living in Australia, and I'm, particularly in this last year, I'm sure all of us have felt that. There's great privileges. We have great resources here. There's many good things uh, in our lives. But, but spiritually, this is a pretty broken place to live and it's a fairly difficult place to live spiritually. Like to stay on fire for Jesus, to, to love him. Like it's, it's, not, it's good on Sundays generally, but, but during the week for most of us, it's hard. It's hard to, to f- spend time with him. It's hard to, to have God fill our lives right through, through every day, through the week, you know, like, and, and we're surrounded by people that really don't care too much about, about God and our relationship with God. And, and so it's not easy for us. And if God was to move in greater power, that would be a good thing. (laughs) That would be a wonderful thing. Despite the cost that it would mean for us, uh, it would be a great blessing for us as well. So I thought this morning um, I would look at a passage in the Bible that talks about God moving in in greater power. And I'm going to have a look at Isaiah chapter 40. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, written by the prophet uh, Isaiah. And what Isaiah is prophesying is that change is going to come to the nation of Israel or particularly Judah. Uh, Change is going to come and it's going to be different from what it is at the moment. At the time when he was prophesying, things were starting to fall apart for the nation because they weren't following God. And and he said, this is going to get worse. So his first prophecy, uh, mainly the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, are all about how things are going to get worse. Uh, The nations, the Syrians and then the Babylonians are going to come in. They're going to uh, decimate the nation. They're going to take the people off in exile. um, And and people are really going to struggle. It's going to be a very, very tough time. And that's his prophecy. This is is what God is saying. Because of your disobedience, because your hearts are a long way from me, because you're not uh, standing up for justice and what's right, then you're going to suffer because of that. I'm going to allow these other nations to dominate you. So the first 39 chapters are mainly about that, right? So they're the chapters you read pretty quickly, right? I've just been reading through Isaiah, so you read those as quickly as you can. You know. Once you get to Isaiah chapter 40, the prophecies change to a degree. There's been elements of this in the first 39, but it really becomes clear from 40 through to 66. And, and that is that... that it's not going to end there, right? This difficult time is, is not going to be the end of it all, but that God is going to work in greater power and he's going to bring his people home. He's going to bless them. He's going to live close to them. Uh, he's, he's going to give them a new heart and a fresh spirit, you know, like prophecies all about what God is going to do after the hard time. Uh, there's going to be a wonderful time of blessing. And so Isaiah 40 is the first time, the first chapter that's particularly about that. And so that's the chapter that we're going to look at uh, this morning. So let's read the first few verses. We're not going to read the whole chapter because it's quite long, but we're going to read through it in various uh, segments throughout the sermon. 
And the first one is in Isaiah 40, uh, verses 1 to 5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. So after these prophecies about the hard times that are ahead, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that a hard service has been completed and her sin has been paid for that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So she's been through tough time because of her sin. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, and the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So he's saying there's going to be a new era, a new wave of God. Get ready for it. All the rough places and the difficult places, they're going to be smoothed out and God's going to come in in, in greater power and with greater blessing and greater goodness. And he's going to fill, he's going to bring us home and he's going to bless us. And the question is, what was he prophesying about? What was Isaiah predicting was going to happen uh, in the future? Well, the most obvious answer to that is that in almost 200 years' time, so it's a long time after Isaiah, but uh, after the nation had been uh, decimated by the Babylonians, the Judah had been decimated, people had been shipped off all over the world because they found that was the best way to destroy a nation, many of them to Babylon, that, that, the na- that they were going to return. Not all of them came back, but there was a sizable number that came back and rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and established the nation again. And Isaiah's prophesied, and God was with them, and God blessed them in some ways. And so Isaiah was prophesying that after the hard times, God's going to bless. He's going to move in a new way. If you're going to come back to here, to this place, and God's going to bless you in, in fresh ways, in new ways. So partly he was prophesying that. But that wasn't all that he was predicting. He didn't know this, of course, when he was writing these things. But this is clear as we read through it. Look at verse 3. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Now what does that remind you of? In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. What was that a prophecy of? Well, in all four Gospels, it's used of John the Baptist. So what he was also talking about is not just the return of Judah, the Jews, back to their land, uh, but he was also predicting Jesus coming. (laughs) That God was going to bless in new ways through His Son coming and living and and dying here so that we could be free. The the planning of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the the new kingdom being established. Like God was going to bless in this new way, in in this fresh way. It was going to be a new wave of God, a new kingdom of God was going to be established. And Jesus, John the Baptist led the way, prepared the way, and Jesus was going to come and do that. So that was 700 years, almost 700 years on from when He's prophesying. But the prophecy is partly about the coming of the Messiah. And if we read read on through some of the uh, chapters in there, there's a lot of talk about this Messiah who's coming, this suffering servant who's coming. And so so he's predicting 700 years' time, Jesus is going to come. But that's not all either. Because when you read the last verse I read there, verse 5, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. What's that a prophecy of? Well, surely it's the return of Jesus, isn't it? Like at the moment, not all people have seen it. 
but there's going to come a time when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so, and so that's a prophecy of, that hasn't been fulfilled yet. Who knows how many years it's going to be before that's going to be fulfilled. So what I'm trying to show is that, that Isaiah's prophecy wasn't just a one event thing. It was a prophecy of waves of the blessing of God coming in ever greater and more powerful ways on His people, bringing blessing to His people and through His people bring blessing uh, to the whole of the earth. And this is what Isaiah is prophesying here. It's a number of events that were occurring. It's a little bit like my retirement in, in some ways. Do you know what I mean? Like I retired at the end of 2017 from principal of, of Madeline Theological College. And then I retired again a couple of years later when I'd been pastor at Bracken Ridge uh, interim for a, for a while. And then I retired again at the end of, the end of last year from the, the interim whatever role I had, I forget, I can't even remember what it was there. That just shows where I'm at, doesn't it? Like, I did retire from that role, do you know what I mean? And yet I still haven't quite retired because I'm still working and I, I will retire sometime uh, in the future. And, and so when was my retirement? Well, it was kind of all of those things. Well, this is very similar, a bit better than retirement, but anyway, but similar, like, like What's going to happen? When's God going to bless His people? Well, He's going to do it when they return from exile. He's going to do it when Jesus comes and He's going to do it at, at, at the end of, of time when God in, interferes, when God interferes, when, when God comes and, and, and changes everything, a new heavens and new earth, you know. So it's a series of events that are occurring as God works in greater power. And so that when we look at this passage, we don't just say it's in the past, it's in the present and in the future as well. This desire of God to work in power and to bring blessing to His people and through His people uh, to to everyone. So when is this next wave going to happen? That's my question. You know what I mean? Like, like when are we seeing the next wave? The next wave of blessing. We see touches of God working, of course, which is wonderful. And some of some of us in the last year have been wonderfully transformed spiritually, which is fantastic. But but we haven't seen this this drawing of God together of people, of touching a life, setting us on fire, like, and just being passionate for Him and passionate for our community. Like, like we haven't seen it in that kind of power. So when is that going to come? When you look at it, you would say in Australia, it's probably a long way off, isn't it? Like, like spiritually, we're pretty dry country, aren't we? You know, so if you think of God moving in great power, people coming to know Jesus, people being set on fire for Him, uh, you know, you think that's probably a fair way off. <laughs> Except that I'm pretty familiar with waves because we've got a unit at Calandra, and uh, over the holidays, our kids have populated the unit uh, as they as they do, and I spent a lot of time in the waves with with little grandchildren. And I found when they're, when they're quite young that the waves are quite dangerous for them because uh, one is the waves are big and they'll knock them over and they don't know how to swim and they get very fearful of that. But also they don't understand waves. So what happens is the wave comes in, they feel the water and then the water retreats and they think, oh good, the wave's gone. I can now walk down on this sand. And they don't realise that there's another wave coming and the bigger the the, uh, the wave goes further, the wave goes back, the bigger the next wave is going to be. So my job is to quickly grab them and rescue them because they're toddling down towards the water. I can see the next wave coming in, grab them and bring them back because I don't want them to be afraid. I know that if the wave retreats for one kilometre, there's a tidal wave coming, but I wouldn't tell them that because that would absolutely terrify them, you know. Uh, 
So in some ways, the more the waves retreated, the bigger the next wave's going to be. And so for us, like, yeah, it's a fairly dry country spiritually, but who knows? You know, like that might be the sign that there's a huge wave coming. God moving in greater power than we've ever seen before. Now that, of course, could be his second coming, and I don't know when that's going to be. But it also could be just a real spiritual revival, a renewal, an awakening, a spiritual awakening. So there's something building up. (laughs) I can't say when that will be. I'm longing for it to be this year, actually. Isaiah didn't know when it would be either. Like he didn't, he couldn't say, well, this is what's going to happen. In fact, he didn't even know exactly what he was predicting, you know. But so he he wouldn't know. And and I think it would be silly for us to, to try and predict actual times or dates. But we can be sure that whatever happens, a wave is building, that God is not satisfied with the way things are. The way things are for our country, the way things are for his people, he is not satisfied with that. He has more in store. He is planning more. A wave is building. Now, some of us are sceptical about that. (laughs) say, oh, I've heard maybe this talk before or, or like, is that really, is, can God really do that? Or is that really what God's going to do? And as you can imagine, the Israelites were quite sceptical about, you know, as they went into the hard times, you know, then, you know, to say, well, God, but God's going to bless you again. He's going to work in power. He's going to bring a Messiah. He's going to do all these things. It was hard for them when they were in the middle of the difficulties, the problems to believe this, to hold on to this, to prepare the way for God to, to move in greater power. And so it's good in this chapter, Isaiah addresses this issue and I think it's good for us because we sit in a time where, although, um, you know, there's many good things in our lives, it's, it's a tough time in, in so many ways. And so we sit at this time and think, well, can God really do it or will God really do it? And so, so there's two reasons here that Isaiah gives to say, you've got to believe this, like you've got to believe, you've got to hold on to this, you've got to prepare this for this. Uh, and the first reason is because... God really is incredibly powerful. Things are getting worse for Judah in this prophecy. There'll be tough times ahead. And the danger is that they will think that their God is powerless to help them. Uh, So Isaiah reassures them of who God is, what God is really like in this chapter. Let me read a few verses. This is is addressed to people thousands of years ago. I realise that and some of these situations and words you may not understand, but just let it roll over you. Let it understand what what God is really like. This is what he says. To people who are disillusioned, who are struggling, this is what he says in verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Like, like who has control over the, the whole of the waters? Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance. This is poetic, of course, but get the feel of that. Who can do these things? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counsellor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations, and these are huge empires, Assyrian, Babylonian empires, surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. 
They're regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for, <coughs> for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. To whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. This is verse 25 and 26. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. What the Israelites saw or what the Jews, people of Judah saw was, a, was huge empires flexing their muscles. Very, very powerful groups. And, and little Israel was caught in the middle of it all. And it was so easy for them to think, what can our God do? Like, look at the power of these empires. Look at what they've achieved. Look at their spread right throughout the world of those days. Like, like what, what chance do we have? What chance does our God have in, in this kind of a setting? And uh, Isaiah says, <laughs> these, these powers, these empires are, are moving to God's beat. <laughs> All they can do is what God will allow them to do. They're like a, a drop in a bucket. That's what they're like. Like, where are the Assyrians now? Where are the Babylonians now? Where's God now? Continuing to move in his power. The last, last 500 years or so have seen Christianity have a strong, mainly positive influence uh, on the West, on Western culture. Our Christian values, particularly the value that, that every individual is significant to God is, and therefore is important. Those, that value and others around it have, have been embedded in our culture, in our institutions, in our democracy. And for a time recently, it looked like this form of Christian democracy where, where everyone would be valued and everyone would have a say was going to take the world. You know, it was spreading, the fall of communism and all the rest. You know, like, like surely people will understand that this is the way that we should live. Even if they don't understand God, this is the way we should live. Uh, this is no longer the case, I don't think. Uh, maybe it's because Western democracy has lost their way. Maybe it's because democracy is not the best form of government to be able to deal with very difficult issues in a, in a nation, in a culture. I'm not sure. But the fact is, with the rise of autocratic superpowers like Russia continuing, like China, you know, uh, and in many places in our world, we can see that, that perhaps that Christian justice and righteousness is, and even in the West, of course, is, is losing its influence. It can appear that God has less influence now. As our nation turns away from God, as our world turns away from the way God wants it to be done, um, justice and right, like, like it can easily say, well, what's God doing in all of this? Like, is he still powerful? Can he still do these things? And the fact is, the nations are like a drop in the bucket. <laughs> Like empires, political powers, cultures will, will come and go under God's hand. 
So if God says, it's time for a new wave of blessing. It's a t- time for my people to really see who I am and what I can do. It's, it's time for the hearts of my people to be drawn towards me in deeper and newer ways. If God says that, then it happens. My God's over it all. God's in charge. God is powerful. And partly holding on to it, uh, to pre- being, preparing the way forward for what God wants to do is holding on to this, that we believe that our God is powerful, that nothing has changed. Circumstances don't change that. World powers don't change that. Our God is God. He's in charge of it all. And when he moves, he moves. It's easy for us, I think, particularly in the West, to reduce our idea of God, um, particularly God's power and authority, to our ups and downs in life. So when we're going well, well, God's good and he's powerful and he can do things. And when we're going badly, well, God can't, doesn't seem to do much to help. You know what I mean? It's easy for us to see God in that light. And it's just not true. <laughs> so I said, it's just not true. All right, Israel, Judah might be suffering, but you got to see that has, God is still powerful. God is still in control. So the first thing is we prepare the way for this new wave of what God's going to do. We've got to believe that God can do these things. God is powerful. He's in charge. He's sovereign. Now, if we take that, and that's really important to understand, we've got to know that deep down in ourselves, that this is our God. Um, the danger with that then is, is that we start to say, well, God's like that, like God's moving and He's power and He's moving nations and He's allowing China perhaps to have more influence at the moment for something that He wants to do. Do you know what I mean? God's doing all of those things, uh, which is fine, but, but like, I'm only a little bit player in all that. Like I am so insignificant and un, unimportant in it all. And it can feel like God is kind of uncaring, like, like he does the big stuff, works with the important people or the, or the larger nations or whatever it might be. But, but for me and my issues and my problems and my difficulties and my own uh, heart, like that's kind of second tier stuff, less important uh, uh, to God. And so Isaiah corrects this in this passage by saying not only is God sovereign and powerful and deals with all the big issues and controls everything, but he's also incredibly tender. Uh, Let let me read a few of the verses. This is from verse one. We read this before. Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord, your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. Uh, Verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. Verse 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. It may seem that, that God is kind of like a chess player, you know, and... And he's moving it around. And you know with the chess, like, the chess, like some pieces are more important than others. <laughs> you know, and the poor little pawns, you know, they can be sacrificed whenever. And so most of us are pawns in that, you know, and God's moving things around. And, you know, it's the big, big picture issues that are most important. And we're just the little pawn that sacrifice if we need to to win the, the game, you know. And we, and we see 
God like that? And, and this passage says, says, no, no, God's not like that. God's like a shepherd, like, like with a little flock, you know. He, he sees all the needs. He cares for those that are struggling and hurting. Like God is a, is a tender God. And, and so this, this new wave of God's work is not only for our world, it's not only so that God's power will be seen, it's not only so that more people will come to know Jesus, although all of those things will be true, but it's also for you. <laughs> he actually loves you heaps and he wants to bless you and he wants, and I know it'll be costly, I know, but he wants to draw your heart towards him. He wants you to come home. He, he wants to empower you. He, he, he wants to, to fill you with a sense of, confidence in, in who you are in God. He wants to bless you. He wants to heal you. He wants to help you. He wants to support you. Like, like he's tender. Like, like the, the blessing is not just for the big picture. The blessing of God's new move is, is for you personally. He finishes off this chapter by saying, he gives strength to the weary. This is verse 29. And increases the power of the weak. This is for you. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that what we want? We want to soar spiritually. We want to run with God and not grow weary. We want to walk and not faint. Like this is what God says, because of you, I want to pour out my blessing. Recently, I was sitting in church, not this church, but another church, uh, looking after our numerous grandsons with their friends. And my job was to try to stop them destroying the church and disrupting the service, you know, so... So these kids are going to it and I'm saying, stop doing that, shush, I'm saying. I'm taking them out to the toilet. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm doing everything I can to try and control them in this, in this situation. In front of me in the seat, very much right in front of me, is another grandfather and he's got his first grandchild. It's a little girl who's six months old and this little girl is sitting on his knee and he's cooing over her. And boy, I felt jealous, but, uh, but I was just, I was watching him, you know, while I'm trying to tame this, this group of little kids. <laughs> and uh, of course, it wasn't my grandsons, it was the, their mates that were a real problem, but, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> and I thought of the contrast between the two of us. <laughs> and I thought, which, which one's more like God? Like many of us see God more like me, you know, like God's there trying to get us to do the right thing and push us into the right ways unhappy with some of the stuff we're doing, shh, be quiet and all the rest, you know. And, and we think of God in that sort of light. Uh, but God, of course, is much more like the other grandfather, <laughs> with this precious little girl uh, in his arms and, and, and tender and, and precious. And, and this is how God sees you. Like he just sees you. He just longs to wrap his arms around you and encourage you and strengthen you and, help you to run <laughs> and soar. And if we're going to believe for and prepare for a new movement of God, a new wave of, of the Spirit, then believing that God is tender 
is a key thing in that, that God has tended towards us. That this is big, He wants for us. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us a, a fresh experience of Him. So I pray that, that with Isaiah, there is a hope burning within you. Oh, God's good. We celebrate that. We thank God for the many good things in our life. But there's a hope burning within you that says, but there's more than this. <laughs> and perhaps that more for us is, is when Jesus comes back, you know, and that'll be <laughs> so much more. But perhaps there's more for us is this year or maybe in the near future where God moves in a fresh, powerful way and the waves of the Spirit come over us and we see revival or we see awakening or, and we, we know that, that this is God's blessing on us because he loves to bless us. But to prepare for that, we have to believe that God can do those things, that God is powerful and he's still in control, that all he has to do is click his fingers, say the word, and this is the time and he will move. And maybe because the waves are a long way back, that's because there's a huge wave building. We also need to believe that God is tender, that God cares deeply. He's very interested in us. The most significant, seemingly insignificant, are actually the most precious to God. That he's tender and he wants this for us. He wants our hearts to be his heart. He wants to love us deeply and for us to receive that love and enjoy that love. He wants to use us in touching the lives of other people and he wants that for you and for me. And I'm asking you this morning to pray for this. If you believe those two things, that God is in control, that he is powerful, and if you believe that God is tender and he does care deeply, you know, then, then prepare the way for this. Be praying, Lord Jesus, we want to see you in greater ways. I need you. It's a prayer, personal prayer and then a prayer for our church. And beyond that, a personal prayer for us. Oh, Lord, please come and refresh and renew. and Help me to run, Lord. I want to do that. I want you to be first in everything that I do. Pray for this. Believing that God is powerful, believing that God is tender. I can't promise that it will come this year, although that's what I'm praying for. I've got, had a little word of prophecy that uh, I'll see the dreams that I've had uh, in, in my lifetime. And so I'm hoping and praying that that's true. But we can prepare. Uh, G. Campbell Morgan was a, a great preacher and uh, Bible teacher and evangelist at the beginning of last century. And uh, he talked a fair bit about revival and this is one of the things that he said. Revival can't be organised, but we can set our sails to catch the wind from heaven when God chooses to blow upon his people once again. We can set our sails, that's what I'm saying. Let's set the sails. Let's be ready. Let's believe. Let's pray. In the wilderness, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we're broken, imperfect people. You know that, Lord. But you are a powerful God and you are a tender God. And you just want the best for us and you want the best for this church. You want the best for this community. You want the best for this nation, Lord. So we're asking you, we're asking you 
to move in greater power among us. Lord, we're setting our sails for whatever you want to do. We trust you, Lord. But we're setting our sails. We don't want to miss this in any way, Lord. And as you blow through the wind of your Spirit, may this church, may this community, may this state, may this nation, Lord, may we catch that wind. As you move in a new wave, Lord, we're a dry country, Lord. And many of us feel dry, Lord. We feel uh, struggled. We feel hurt in some ways, Lord. We're a dry country, Lord. We're crying out for that refreshing wind to blow and for us, Lord, to set our sails to catch it. Lord, may we not miss, may I not miss, Lord, what you're going to do. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks, John, so much. What an encouraging word, filling us with faith for all that God has in store for this year ahead. And that is, we, we sense that as a church too, God is moving. We're going to sing about it, in fact, in just a moment, that He is a way maker, that even when we can't see it, God is working always, that His kingdom is unstoppable. As John was sharing this morning, I, I was very aware of the fact that there may be, you came this morning and, and you can identify with Isaiah 40 because you came feeling weak and weary this morning. It was a real challenge even just to get here to church. Or maybe you're watching online and you've linked in online. You're feeling weak and weary. Perhaps it's a, a sickness, a health issue that has been making you physically feel incredibly weak. Maybe it's a relationship breakdown that you have been through recently that's left you weary. Maybe it is the loss of a loved one that you've had or uh, maybe some uncertainty you're facing in terms of your work, but the situations, the circumstances of life have left you this morning feeling weak and weary exactly as Isaiah describes it. Well, I want to read to you again these words because this is a word from God for you this morning. This is what it says. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And His understanding no one can fathom. And here's the word for you this morning. He gives strength to you, to the weary this morning. He gives strength to you. He increases the power of the weak. If you're feeling weak this morning, He wants to calm. He wants to increase your power Again, that is the promise this morning. And so I want to pray and just ask God, if you're sensing that this morning online or here in the service, you're saying, that's me. I'm weary, I'm weak, I'm just feeling overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. I want to pray now that God will give you strength right now, that He will give you His power, that you'll know that. So let's just pray again in these moments. Let's do that. Lord, I want to pray. We thank you for this word this morning. It fills us with faith, Lord, that you are moving, even when we can't see it. But now, Lord, I just want to particularly pray for some here this morning, those online who are feeling particularly weak and weary this morning. Thank you for this promise, Lord. Thank you for this word, Lord, that you give strength to the weary, that you increase the power of the weak. And I pray that over these ones right now, Lord, draw near by your Holy Spirit. Encourage them. Lord, if there's health issues, Lord, we pray for your healing power over their life. Lord, if there's been relationship breakdown, well, Lord, we pray for your comfort. Lord, we pray for your peace to reign. If there's a loss of loved ones, Lord, we just pray that you will draw so near to those ones that there'll be a strong sense of hope still for the future. Uncertainty, Lord, maybe that some are facing in terms of 
employment or finances. Lord, thank you that you are our great provider. We look to you, Lord. We pray over these situations and circumstances, Lord. But we know, we, we know, Lord, that you are moving even in these situations. So I lift up these ones to you now this morning. And Lord, continue to fill us faith with faith as a church, Lord. Yes, the wave may be withdrawing, but Lord, we believe, Lord, there is a tidal wave coming, Lord. Your Spirit poured out. That is our prayer, Lord Jesus. Many coming into your kingdom, many finding the life and hope in you. And so we pray this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we're going to worship and sing this great song that speaks of our miracle way-making God, promise keeper that he's always working. Let's worship him this morning, church.
it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working desert, a highway for our God. That's our calling. And the promise comes and every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. And there's even more to the blessing. It says, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. That's what we long for. And the people will see it together. What a great day that will be when Jesus comes again for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isn't that our prayer, church, what we long for? Oh, Lord, we thank You for these words. I pray You lead us this year, Lord. We wanna prepare the way for the Lord. And Lord, we look forward to that day where You will come again, Lord, where You'll put everything right, great God. And so in the meantime, Lord, we wanna be all about serving You and following You and telling others the good news about You, great God. Use us powerfully. This year we ask, Lord, and bless each and every one here, I pray. Those online, those here in the service, I pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Please be seated. If you're here this morning and you'd like some prayer, please do come and see one of the pastors. We'd love to pray for you. If you're online and you'd like prayer, make sure you email prayer at bridgman.org.au. But thank you so much for sharing with us today. Don't forget Jason Ellsmore sharing at our four o'clock and then six o'clock here in person online as well. But God bless you. Look forward to sharing with you again soon.